Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today on the Joel Klatt Show, we give away Rose Bowl hats, but not until the end of the show. College football has never been better. Interest has never been higher. I believe that we are at the dawn of the golden age of college football. It was an epic day of college football. It was one of those days where you fall in love with the sport all over again. Hey, 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 it's Rose Bowl hat day. What's going on, everybody? This, this is the day all of us have been waiting for. Big shout out to all the people at the Rose Bowl, by the way. Deedon, my man at the Rose Bowl, he's the one that hooked this up. Uh... We, we've all been waiting for it, and it's here, but not until the end of the program. Before we get to the Rose Bowl hats, we do have to tell you that this show, as always, is presented by Hampton by Hilton. Um, really thankful for them. It's It's been a wonderful year so far. We've got chatter all day about college football. Remember to go follow us on social media, wherever you like to social media, at Joel Klatt Show. You can follow me personally on Twitter, at Joel Klatt. You can follow me on Instagram, at Joel underscore Klatt. Um, and then remember, subscribe to the show, leave a review, all those different things, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, you can tell I'm very excited because we're giving away hats. I love these hats. They're so, like, I wear them all the time. I don't wear any other hat on this show. Uh, and I can't wait because I know how excited you are. I see the interaction on social media. I've seen the interaction when I'm out at games and people coming up and being like, oh man, I want one of those hats. And I'm like, I know. So we're giving away five hats today and I can't wait. But before we get there, we do have to talk about this great sport that we all love. So I want to talk about conference strength and how that's going to impact or influence the college football playoff in this last year of the arbitrary four team college football playoff, which we all hate and is going away, thankfully. But this year could be the most controversial that we've ever had. Now I feel like Chris Harrison or whoever hosts the bachelor. Now I stopped watching a long time ago. It used to be awesome. Now it's not I most controversial playoff that we've ever had. Right. By the way, people asking, like, is he a Bachelor fan? No, no, no. Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl. It's my favorite game. Going again this year. Can't wait. I want to talk about the Pac-12. I want to talk about the SEC. And we've got fan base check-ins today. Texas, OU, Georgia, Oregon, looking at you. And then we give away hats. Okay, here we go. Let's start with this. Pac-12. The Pac-12 is the deepest... And now through the first month, the best conference in college football this year, this year. Okay. And, and obviously that hasn't been the case for the last decade and the SEC has reigned supreme. And I understand that now the SEC may 
get a team, probably Georgia, not only into the playoff, but win the national championship. That, that may happen, and they may continue their reign of national championships. But at least for this season in 2023, and sadly in the Pac-12's last season, the Pac-12 is the best conference in college football. It is the deepest, and, and it's the best. And when, when I'm starting to look at now the way the first month of the season played out, what these teams are, and then now what's in front of them, it makes me incredibly nervous for this conference. Why? Because the deepest and best conference in college football this season might eat itself up, might eat itself up. That's always been the case with the Pac-12, but we haven't really worried about it from, from a, a broad sense in college football because there hasn't been really that elite team that we're like, man, we need them in the playoff. But now this year, that's different because there are some elite teams in the Pac-12. I'm really hoping we get one of them in the playoff. And, and we'll see if that comes to fruition. Last week was a reminder for all of us of, of why the Pac-12 is going to be so difficult over the course of the next two months. Okay, Think about what we had last week. We had a team in Utah who won an emotional game at home against UCLA. Great defense, still trying to get healthy, don't have their starting quarterback. They've got to have a short week road game on the road on a Friday night against Oregon State, who's a really good football team who happened to lose a close game at Washington State. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this. And Washington gets beat, or excuse me, sorry, Utah gets beat. And you could almost see that coming, right? Before the year, you would have said to yourself, that's going to be a really tough game for Utah because the schedule does this conference no favors. And to be honest, it's somewhat unavoidable this year because of the amount of quality teams that this conference has. But it wasn't just that game. Then you start to look at USC at Colorado, up 41-14 with two minutes to go in the third quarter and have to recover an onside kick in order to win the game. Washington goes down to Tucson and plays the late game, kind of a sleepy game, and guess what? Arizona enacts the blueprint to beat Washington, which is limit the possessions, limit the explosive plays, and what happens? All of a sudden, they're in a one-possession game. It was a case study and in, in why this is going to be so difficult to get even a one-loss conference champ. Let me start with the premise. If there's any team that can get through the Pac-12 with only one loss and win their championship, that team probably is the best team in America and absolutely should go to the playoff. Period. Period. Look at what these teams have coming up. All of it is through the lens of the difficulty of their future schedules. Next week, we've got two top 10 matchups, Oregon at Washington, USC at Notre Dame. What's going to happen? I'm not sure. One of those is non-conference, for goodness sakes. Then you look at the four remaining unbeaten teams. By the way, this isn't even including Oregon State and UCLA and now Utah, or even Colorado, who can beat any of these teams at any given moment, especially you know when you're looking at UCLA, Oregon State, and Utah. I'm just going to look at these four remaining unbeaten teams in the Pac-12, and you start looking at what's in front of them, and you start to think to yourself, how many losses are they going to have? And then you're going to get as, as anxious as I am for this conference which is the best conference in college football this year and the deepest conference in college football this year. And we'll see. 
if they get a team in, because here's what's going on. Let's take a look at Washington first. Washington's a really good team. Really good team. I've been singing their praises since beginning of the season. Michael Penix, I called him my dark horse for Heisman before the year. I had him at, I believe, number five um, in my preseason poll. At one point, I've called him the scariest team in college football. And all of that, I think, remains true. And yet, look at what they have going down the stretch. Five of their last seven games are against teams ranked in the top 20. At Oregon in two weeks, and then their last four games are at USC, home to Utah, at Oregon State, and against Washington State at home. Like, can can any team in America go through that five-game stretch with only one loss? I don't know. I don't know. Now let's take a look at Oregon. Oregon is sitting there. Five of their last seven games are against teams ranked in the top 20. They're going to be at Washington, rivalry game. Washington State at home. At Utah, historically, at least in the last two or three seasons, probably the most difficult place to play in the Pac-12. And then in three straight weeks, they have USC, Oregon State later in the year. After that, Utah. Like, my goodness. Can anybody in America get through that slate of five games with only one loss? Let's take a look at USC. USC with now questions surrounding their defense. USC, four games left versus teams ranked in the top 20. They've got to go to Notre Dame, Utah, Washington, and at Oregon. Man. Like, can anybody in America go through that stretch of four games with only one loss? Let's take a look at the upstart, Washington State. And here's the ironic part. The upstart, Washington State, who I've compared to last year's TCU, veteran quarterback, knows how to win. They've only got two games left versus the top 25. They've got to go to Oregon and to Washington. But they also have at UCLA, if you want to throw them in there plus a home game against Colorado. So <laughs> the Pac-12 is ridiculous. And, and the slate of games in front of those teams is as difficult as, as you will find anywhere. And so the fact remains, if any of these teams that I just talked about, by the way, if it's Utah that runs the table from here on out, if it's Oregon State that runs the table from here on out, if it's UCLA that runs the table from here on out, if any of these teams in the Pac-12 can finish their season through this conference and this level of depth and this level of quality and only have one loss as a conference champ, they have to be in, period. Point blank, period. End of story. And this is where it's going to get difficult because now let's take a look at the SEC. You might have agreed with everything that I just said. And you know what? Most likely, regardless of who you root for, regardless of where you live, you're probably like, that seems reasonable, Joel. That seems reasonable with that level of, of quality and depth and, and all of that. Yeah, we get it. One lost conference champ. And then you start to look at the rest of the country and you start to look at like, well, who else might have a loss and be a conference champ? What other conferences are like? What's it look like in the other conferences? What are the five to six to seven teams that we're going to be debating about? 
at the end of the year for the college football playoff. And that's when you stumble upon the SEC. And you're like, man, it's shocking. It's shocking to see this conference in this state because it's, it's not very good this year. And it's been the best conference in college football for the better part of two decades, 15 years. You know, save a couple of years when there's been conferences like rise up at, at, at moments like th- they have been the preeminent force in college football as a conference. They've always had the depth in particular at the top three, four, five teams that you could claim are top 10, 12, 13 caliber teams in America. And this year, that's just not the case. That's just not the case. And so you start looking at this weekend for the SEC, and all of a sudden, through the prism of of the Pac-12, what's going on in other conferences with the depth in the Big Ten East, you know, Florida State looking the way they do in the ACC, Texas, and maybe even Oklahoma as well looking like they do in, in the Big 12, you start to wonder yourself like, oh man, is the SEC champ going to have to be undefeated in order to go? That's that's at least a plausible question right now in college football. And I know that there's a lot of football left to be played, but listen, this weekend is going to go a long way in deciding the fate of the postseason for the champion of the SEC. Georgia hosts number 20, Kentucky. Uh, Alabama, number 11, is at AM. By the way, LSU also at Mizzou. Um, LSU somehow still ranked. <laughs> uh, anyways, we we all digress. Even LSU fans have got to kind of be sheepish about that, right? They're kind of like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, Let's just say, let's just say, and I'm not suggesting that I'm picking this. I'm I'm just saying, like, let's just say, sake of argument. Uh, Milrow doesn't play well on the road. A&M upsets Alabama. We've already seen it. It's already, you know, it's something that happens. A worse uh, A&M team than this beat a better Alabama team than this in Kyle Field. So it's like not out of the realm of, of possibility. And like, let's just say for the sake of argument, even though we haven't seen this, and in particular, uh, like Georgia is is a is a great program right now. I don't know how great of a team they are this year, but they play Kentucky. And I understand it. Like it's it's in Athens. This is going to be tough for Kentucky to go in there and win. And I'm not suggesting they're going to, but let's just say for the sake of argument that these the data rings true again this week and that Georgia isn't what they've been at the line of scrimmage. While Kentucky is very good at the line of scrimmage, they can run the ball. Remember, Georgia has been for the last four years a top three rushing yards per carry defense in college football. This year, they're 67th. So they they are not themselves at the line of scrimmage. Let's just say, sake of argument, Kentucky wins. We are staring down the barrel of a Kentucky-Texas A&M SEC SEC championship game. We're staring down the barrel of a a Kentucky-Missouri game later in the year in the SEC East, which decides the SEC East. Like it's it's a it's a wild thought to just think about where this conference is right now and 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 how big these games actually are. If you're an SEC fan, you're rooting for Georgia because the chaos that ensues if the Bulldogs lose is pretty wild. The SEC is is not the strongest conference this year. 
We, we, we know that, okay? And it's not a given that the SEC champ is going to go. Now, if Georgia's undefeated, do they go to the playoff? Absolutely. And I'm not suggesting that they don't. But here's where it gets interesting. What happens if even Georgia were to lose a game and still win the conference? What happens then? What happens if a one-loss Georgia is compared to a one-loss Pac-12 team. You see, what was normally reserved for the SEC champ was that they were going to go through a gauntlet. So regardless of like, hey, you lost the game, but hey, look at all your top 10 wins. That's what was always in the back pocket of the SEC champ over the last few years. And rightly so, rightly so. We've, we've seen non-division winners end up, you know, getting a chance to go to the playoff. Alabama has, has had that opportunity. Why? Quality top-end wins because of the depth of the conference. And again, rightly so. Well, now, all of a sudden, you have to kind of shift, shift your mindset. That's what can and probably will and should be afforded to the Pac-12, not the SEC. If Georgia were to lose one of these games, let's just say against one of the ranked opponents, let's just say it's like to a a West team like Ole Miss, which by the way, Ole Miss right now currently is, is the highest ranked team on Georgia's schedule. Let's just say sake of argument, like they lose to Ole Miss, still win the East, still go and they win the SEC championship. They would be a one loss SEC champ. And likely their best win, they would hope, is against an Alabama team that they hope is crawling back into the top 10 by winning the West and representing that side in the SEC championship game. Again, like hoping that Alabama can continue to win. Again, that's why Georgia fans, if I'm you, I'm rooting for Alabama this weekend in Kyle Field. Why? Because you need more ammunition on the resume. The resume all of a sudden in the SEC is going to be wildly thin as compared to the other conferences, in particular when you're looking at the Big Ten and in particular when you're looking at the Pac-12. It's it's just, again, it's it's kind of blowing my mind right now. The SEC West is is a mess and could continue to be a mess if A&M were to, to win. The end of the season, here's the thing, is like everybody always thinks that it's going to play out and it's going to be this, this nice... Uh, crisp. We've got two undefeateds and we've got two more one loss teams and they're all champs. And it's going to be clear because the fifth place team is going to be a two loss team. That never happens. It's never clear. It's never clear. At some point, Florida State might lose a game. At some point, Texas or Oklahoma is going to lose a game outside of the one that one of them will lose this weekend in Red River. What happens if the Big Ten East all beat each other and they're in a three-way tie? What happens if there's two one-loss teams playing in the Pac-12 championship game against each other? Like, what what happens if a team goes undefeated through the Pac-12 but then loses to the team that they beat earlier in the year who was a one-loss and now there's two one-loss team, one a champ, one a non-champ for the Pac-12? There are so many scenarios right now that you can play out plausibly in your mind that put the SEC in a real precarious situation so long as their champ isn't undefeated. So Georgia, I think you're the best chance, obviously, for the SEC. You've got a route that you can continue to win games and you've got to play better at the line of scrimmage to do so. And then if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm rooting for Alabama every chance I get because it really is it really is the, the lone team 
potentially on the schedule later, this one would be an SEC championship game, that could actually be a top 10 caliber win. If they were to get to that point with only a Texas loss, speaking of the Crimson Tide, then Georgia would feel a lot better about their resume. But as it is right now, like there's likely going to be a lot of chaos at the end of the year because of the depth in these other conferences. And so far in this season, the lack of depth in the SEC is going to really hurt them, really hurt them. Do I think the SEC is going to get left out? No. But imagine a scenario, just imagine a scenario where Georgia has to make an argument as a one-loss team against a one-loss Pac-12 team or a one-loss Big Ten team. You're talking about the two-time defending national champion that's going to have a worse resume <laughs> than these other two teams at that point. I mean, the four-team playoff is just... What are we going to do? Expand to 12. That's what we're going to do. And it's going to be glorious. And it's going to be glorious. It's going to be tough, man. It's going to be an interesting year, a very interesting year. Let's get to some fan base check-ins, shall we? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, time now for the weekend check-in sponsored by Hampton by Hilton Hilton for the stay. Um, there are some fan bases that I'm sure like are just sitting out there right now. And, and I'm just telling you right now, I, I, I feel like I've got a beat on the way you feel right now. So let's check in on some of these fan bases, Texas, Texas Longhorns. Let's start with the Texas Longhorns. How should the Texas Longhorns feel right now really confident really confident all off season i was i was waiting and it's like i think they're really good but i can't do it i can't do it i can't buy in we can't do it yet because we always buy in and then they always fall short and i said i'm not going to buy in until you do something and guess what they've done something and actually two things that we haven't seen from them in the recent past that have been really my main two criticisms of, of Texas in the, in the recent past. One, they didn't win any important games. Two, it would constantly play to the level of their competition. And you've heard that you know several times on this program over the last couple of weeks. But now they've done both of those. They went to Alabama and won the game in Tuscaloosa. And as we've seen now over the course of the season, it's really hard to win on the road, even at, at bad opponents. You know, and I, I don't want to call Auburn bad, but like Auburn barely beat Cal. You know, Cal gets run by Washington. Then Georgia barely beats Auburn, right? It's, it's just like college football is weird like that, partly because of the home field advantage. It was, it's what makes Texas's win so impressive over Alabama. It's what makes Ohio State's win at Notre Dame so impressive. And, and even you can categorize Florida State's win over Clemson uh, in that way as well. But that's why Texas should be incredibly confident is because the one or two, in this case, areas where they've been really weak over the last 
you know, several years, they seem to have fixed that. I think that this is their best team since 2005. Now, some would argue and say, no, the 0809 team was just as good as this team and, and played at a higher level. Maybe that's the case, but I, I will tell you, like the balance on this team reminds me more of the 05 version because that team could run it. They were great on the offensive line. Obviously, Vince was out of his mind. He was the best player that I ever saw live as an opponent. Um, their defense was outstanding. Two Thorpe Award winners in, in the secondary. This team seems to have that level of balance. I don't know if they're as dominant, but that they're. I think that they're a a really good team. The 08 team was very good for Texas. I thought even better than the 09 team. The 09 team was kind of carried by Colt, Jordan Shipley. Like those guys kind of carried that team. And it wasn't as good of a team as the 08 team. Why I know this much about Texas history, I'll never know. But when you get knocked out by a team and they beat you 70 to three, you tend to follow what's going on in the next couple of years. Dominant at the line of scrimmage this game, uh, this year, run game is really good. I mean, they're like I said, the balance, they look focused, two straight blowouts, even with Red River on the horizon. So really confident is how Texas and their fan base should feel. Let's move to their opponent this week, Oklahoma. Oklahoma statistically has rolled out there and been really good. But guess what? If I'm an OU fan, I'm really nervous, in particular to face this Texas team. Very nervous. Now, I've gotten to see Oklahoma this year. And there are some things that I really like about OU. And there are also some things that I'm like, you know what? That's a low ceiling element on that team. Here's some things that I really like. Those receivers on the outside are an elite core of wide receivers. Nick Anderson now being healthy. He's fantastic. Andrell Anthony. I've seen him since he was a freshman at Michigan. I love what he presents on the outside. He is, he is a, he is a fantastic player. Um, Jalil Farouk. Their size and speed and playmaking ability outside is really, really good. It's elite. Part of the low ceiling is, is that that's not Dylan Gabriel's strength. Dylan Gabriel holds them back a little bit. And this is it's going to sound like a knock. It's not. like it, His strengths are just not suited for exactly the way Oklahoma is built on the offensive side. And then the other part of this is like, I, I don't know what they are up front on the offensive line, which is a dangerous Dangerous place to be against a Texas team that owned Alabama at the line of scrimmage, in particular late in that game with a couple of sacks in the fourth quarter. So they better they better buckle up because Texas is physical. They're balanced. That's why I'm nervous for OU. This, the stats have been really good for OU defensively. They have not played an offense nearly as balanced or as explosive or as tough at the line of scrimmage as what they will face against Texas. This is a team that beat Oklahoma 49-0 last year, handed it to them. I understand Dylan Gabriel wasn't on the field, but he doesn't make up 49 points. And the version of Texas you're about to see in the old Cotton Bowl is better than what you saw last year. So I would be nervous if I was a Sooner fan. Uh, Georgia. Georgia fans. And this has a lot to do with what I just talked about when it comes to uh, with with what's going on in the SEC, if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm uncomfortable right now. I'm very uncomfortable. We're back-to-back -back defending national champions, and yet we have a team that seems to play down to the level of their competition, basically because we're not great at the line of scrimmage like we have been in the last two years. We're a shell of our former selves, both running the ball and stopping the run, which is a problem. 
They're they're down a yard in yards per carry from from last year, from five and a half basically to four and a half. They went from a top three defense in yards per carry defense to 67th in the country. Guess what that means? You're going to be in more tight games. You're going to be in situations like South Carolina at home, Auburn on the road. You don't want to be in those situations. And then you throw on the back of that. You don't have the ammunition like you've had in the SEC over the last few years. And it's an uncomfortable feeling. Why? Because I think Georgia has to win out. I don't know if Georgia wins an argument as a one loss team to get into the playoff. And I know that sounds wild. I know. I get it. I get it. And do I think that the committee would actually just put them in because they are the two-time defending champ? Probably. Probably. But if you were just relying on that, then you're relying on politics and not on actual on-field play. So there's where the uncomfortable feeling comes in if I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan. That's a great program. Great program. You have an elite player, one of the best, if not the best player in America up to this point in Brock Bowers. Outside of that, it's not the same. It's not the same. And because of that, I would feel uncomfortable. Oregon, last one, last one, Oregon. Don't you think Oregon feels a little bit like the middle child? I think that they do. In fact, I think that that's why you saw what you saw from Dan Lanning. He acted a little bit like my middle child, right? Hey, look at us, right? We're not in it for clicks, but, but, but seriously, look at us, please. <laughs> right? I mean, that, that was Oregon. And I get it. I get it. Everybody talks about USC because of Caleb Williams, and rightly so, defending Heisman champ. Everybody points to, including me, Washington as the darling. They're the shiny new object in everybody's life. Look at Kalen DeBoer and those wide receivers. Look at the big plays. Look at the 40-yard-plus touchdowns. Man, isn't that great? Scary team up there. What do we say about Oregon? Nothing. I get it. You feel like the middle child. You feel totally overlooked right now. And yet, if we're being honest and we're actually evaluating what happened in the first month of the season and how these games actually played out, they're probably more balanced than either of the other two, USC or Washington. Those, I think, are the three best teams in the Pac-12. I think most people would agree with me on, on that. And Oregon constantly gets left out because they don't have what I would consider to be like the elite, elite trait. Maybe their elite trait is in their balance. Maybe their elite trait is in their physicality. Maybe the other two teams actually can't beat Oregon because Oregon is better in more facets. But I've, I've, I sense it. I know it. I know it. I, I, knew, I knew it like when I saw Dan Lanning do what he did. And by the way, I'm not criticizing. Like, that's what he should do. He should use whatever he wants and needs to motivate his team. But man, it, it, it looked so much like my, I've got three boys, 11, nine, and six. My nine-year-old is awesome. I love my nine-year-old. He's the best. Sam. Sam the man. Sam, Sam. And there are times <laughs> when, when it's obvious, when it's kind of like, hey, look at me. And it's like, oh, that's right. He's a middle child. He's a middle child. Oregon, you're the middle child of the Pac-12. Doesn't mean you're any less. Doesn't mean you're not going to win the conference. Because guess what? You're probably awesome. 
And, and you know what? You are because you're likely more balanced. And in a lot of ways, you're more physical than both of the other two teams. You're probably better at the line of scrimmage than both of the other two teams, Washington and USC. I just got a kick out of that because we were talking about teams and Oregon comes up and I'm like, oh yeah, it's just, they're like Sam, 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 by the way, Oregon, because that's the comparison, I now love you because my guy, Sam is the best. Hey, it's my favorite time of year, football season. And as you know, I take it seriously. So when I'm traveling on the road to watch my favorite teams, I can't risk calling the wrong play with where I stay. So wherever I go, I know that I can count on Hampton by Hilton. I can depend on their comfortable rooms and their warm, friendly service and their free hot breakfast. As you know, total game changer. Wouldn't change it for the world. It's what I love most about staying there. So whether you're cheering on your team from the stands or never leaving the tailgate, Hampton by Hilton will always give you that win. Probably sensing where we're at in the program. It is time. We're giving away Rose Bowl hats. Oh, here it comes. You cannot get these hats anywhere. This is a Joel Class Show exclusive. Big shout out to Deedon over at the Rose Bowl. He hooked it up. We've got five hats to give away right now. If you hadn't, if you didn't like share this with a friend or or like I I feel bad for everyone that didn't know about this, that didn't get subscribed, that didn't leave a review. But those of you who that that did, thank you. Thank you for being loyal listeners. Thank you for being invested into this program. We had a wildly successful first month, and it's because of you. All right. Our staff works incredibly hard. This was something that's that's really, really cool. And so I can't wait to get here. Who's getting a Rose Bowl hat? Here's what happened. We were able to create a lottery and draw at random, complete random, really four names. Full disclosure, we drew four names. And here's why. The first hat goes to Doris N. Doris, you get a hat. And Doris, you get a hat because you're the only reason that this giveaway exists right now. You sent an email in, by the way, Joel Klatt Show mailbag at gmail.com. And you sent an email in about how to get a hat. And I thought to myself, like, well, I don't know. I'm like, I'm sure I could, you know, text Deedon and we can probably get some hats. And then all of a sudden Dean's like, hey, let's do a giveaway. And I'm like, yes, let's do a giveaway. So Doris, you are the catalyst for why anyone gets a hat. So you get the very first hat. Congratulations, Doris. Thank you for watching the program. Thank you for subscribing to the program, emailing us. Uh, really hope that you enjoy the rest of the college football season with your new Rose Bowl hat. Well, well done, Doris. Okay, now, now we get to the actual draw. And I believe, I feel like Clark W. Griswold. Do we have a drum roll? Yes. Yes, we do. Tyler M. gets a hat. T-Mac 14 gets a hat. Congratulations, TMAC14. Here's what you have to do. Email us at the Joel Clad Show mailbag at gmail.com. We're going to get you all confirmed. We're going to get you all set up to get your hat to you. So, Tyler, congratulations. And by the way, those of you thinking like, I'm just going to email this, Tyler. Nope, doesn't work. We actually have the metadata. We can confirm exactly who it is and, and uh, where the hat is going. So, don't even try it. We can confirm what's going on. Tyler, congratulations. All right, next drum roll, please.
Bryce T. Bryce Ten Barge. You get a hat. Congratulations, Bryce. Thank you for being a listener to the program, being a subscriber to the program, for rating and reviewing the show. Uh, we hope you enjoy your hat. By the way, we do have two colors, so you're going to get what you get, and uh, you can't be upset. So you're either going to get a white or a gray. Uh, remember, just email us. The Joel Klatt Show mailbag at gmail.com, Bryce, and we're going to get you all hooked up. Next one. We got two left. We got two left. Are we ready? Germ roll, please. Ryan H. Ryan Humiston. You get a hat. Congratulations, Ryan. You got a Rose Bowl hat coming to you. Email us the Joel Klatt Show mailbag at gmail.com. And we have one more. One more hat. This is it. This is what we've all been waiting for, everybody. You've had to listen to this podcast. You, you, we didn't post the winners anywhere else. Here we go. Last winner for an exclusive Rose Bowl hat. Can't buy it anywhere else is Jeremy Godden wins a hat. Jeremy, congratulations. You win a Rose Bowl hat. I tell you what, this has been the funnest thing that we've been, uh, most fun thing, whatever you want to call it, that we've ever done on the Joel Klatt Show. So, Jeremy, congratulations. Thank you for listening to the program. Thank you for watching the program. And remember, everybody, share the program with all your friends because college football is better when we do it together. This has been the Joel Klatt Show. You can follow us on social media, wherever you social media, at Joel Klatt Show. We'll have everything out there. Uh, but remember, folks, College football is just getting warmed up as we turn the calendar calendar to October. We've got great matchups. We've got big noon Saturday this week. I'm going to be in Columbus back basically in my, my old stomping grounds in Columbus because that's where I do most of my games. Coming to the Ohio State-Maryland game, so we'll be there for that one. Uh, man, this has been fun. Congratulations again to the winners of the Rose Bowl hats, and we will see you tomorrow with game previews for this weekend's game.